we're going to continue and and uh, of course we've talked about our mission statement for quite a while and we'll probably finish the year out but we're people committed to what serving and sharing Jesus Christ and so what we're on now is how to share Jesus Christ effectively we said number one you need to esteem God's word what's that mean have high regard for it value it highly it needs to be special to you we said you and I won't share what we don't value and appreciate number two we said you must place absolute confidence in the integrity of God's word once you speak it you need to know he watches what over it to perform it number three your testimony must come from a personal encounter with Jesus Christ you know, when you find Jesus, you want to tell somebody. Remember when you were born again? Remember when you were filled with the Spirit of God? You want to tell somebody. Amen. Then number four, we're going to go on and talk about more about this. You must what the sinner? You must love the sinner. Say, I must love the sinner. John 3, 16, for God so loved the sinner. He loved the, or loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. That word agape, love, there means unconditional love. Turn me down just a little bit. I'm a little high. Love by choice and by an act of the will. It's an unconditional love. What's unconditional love? It means I'm going to love Abe even when he screws up. Amen? I'm going to love you even when you screw up. Because we all make mistakes, don't we? You know, we sin. God doesn't kick us in the corner, does he? He still loves us, okay? And that's the agape kind of love. Agape love does not need a chemistry. It does not need a feeling. A lot of people have feelings every day, and feelings come and feelings go. But the unconditional love of God stays the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Then in Romans 5, 8, it says God demonstrates or he shows and clearly proves his own love that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Then in Ephesians 2, we, we gave you, this is a wonderful passage of Scripture. You need to hear it again. It says in verse 4, but God, who's rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved. And he what? Raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship. Say, I am his workmanship. You know, you hear that comment, you're a real piece of work. Yes, we are. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's good, isn't it? God's love is unconditional. God's love will take action. God's love has nothing to do with feelings. God's love is a choice and an act of your will. It's a choice to walk in love. God's love will always raise up, will always encourage, and will always promote others. Okay? Then we looked at, and we'll go into this more, but I want you to look at Luke 15. 
Again, look at Luke chapter 15. This is the parable of the lost sheep, and we'll go through this in the days ahead, but I want you to see this in, in verse 7 and verse 10. When does heaven throw a party, folks? When one sinner repents, in verse 7 it says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. And then verse 10 concerning the angels that Jesus said, Likewise I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You want to get the angels' attention? You want to get heaven's attention? Well, then, I'll tell you what. You get somebody saved. Amen? Amen. Now, <clears throat> how many of you know we need to love the sinner? But what, of a, what do most of us do if you're really honest? Are you honest today? What do we usually, what are we good at? Judging. What are we good at? Being critical. How many of you are opinionated? Anybody got an opinion? Sure. We all have opinions. And there's nothing wrong with a strong opinion, especially, you know, when you're, it's, the Bible, it calls it, it's righteous indignation. We get angry. Kathy, you could tell she is passionate about the fact you don't, you know, let a deer loose that's been tied to the fence and then shoot it. Amen? You, you have to work for it. Well, <laughs> you, we need to realize, you know, that God loves the sinner. Jesus is the ultimate judge. And we have to be careful of not being critical. Now, I want you to look at Matthew 7. As you look at Matthew 7... I want to ask you, if you'll remember, if you were here last week, what did I tell you, what did this preacher tell you that he's learned in over 30-some, 30 35 years of ministry about people who are really highly critical of other people's sins? Usually they have a hidden secret sin. The Bible calls secret sin. So if you get really, you know, adamant about some person's sin, usually, and I'm not going to say this is all the time, but more than likely, you're going to be, you know, have a sin yourself. Now, I'm going to, I thought I'd end, the, we're not going to get that far today anyway, but I'm, I was going to end with the story, and I thought if I end with this story, it's just not very encouraging, and you're going to leave here all depressed. I mean, you tell, you tell a story like this, it's, you know, it's R-rated. It's not good. But I'm going to tell you the story. And some of you maybe will remember the story. Some of you maybe never heard the story. But say this with me. It's a true story. I'm trying to drive home a point to you about what I just asked you about people that have, uh, that are very critical. We were at... Um, Cornerstone years ago, and we used to go to their 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 me meetings. And afterwards, they always had minister meetings. And really, Kathy and I didn't enjoy them. <laughs> How long are you running this week? You get around a bunch of ministers. It's 
you know, but there are good ones. Don't don't leave here saying that there are there's good ministers. But I just have I just despise being around people that are elitist, have an elitist attitude, think they know it all. It's just how about you? Do you like that? Don't like it. And and, uh, you know, if you've been around the block more than once, you can see people's hypocrisy. And we're, we can see it. And I've seen it before, and Kathy's seen it before, and we've come away from minister meetings. Now, don't get, get me wrong. We've come away from some minister meetings, and we're very good. But this one was a Christmas meeting, and here we were sitting around with all the ministers. And so Eileen Gordon, she says, we're going to go around, and every one of you are going to share about a Christmas story. And so we, they go around the table and they're talking about Christmas and what Christmas means and what, how do you remember your Christmas? And of course, my wife, she usually is the one that gets everybody all upset, which is good, <laughs> because you find out then who the Pharisees and the Sadducees are. And so we're going around and it comes to her and I'm thinking, what am I going to get? What are we going to hear about? She says, I remember. She's telling all these ministers, when I was a little girl, Santa Claus had come to the house. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. And he'd come in and he'd have a bag of stuff and goodies and he'd pull out gifts and give it to us. And what was his name? Bake. Floyd Baker. He dressed up as a Santa Claus, Monroe, Nebraska. Floyd Baker. And, but before... Before um, Floyd would leave, her folks would give him something. What'd you give him? A whole tube of skull chewing tobacco went to Santa. And a bottle of whiskey. Old Floyd. He had every house. Boy, old Floyd had it made. Dripping down his beard and drinking his whiskey. And so we're sitting there, and that didn't bother me because I grew up kind of the same way in a small town. But we got to the next man, the next minister. And he looked, and he had this air about him. I could tell. It just, you, could, you know how you can, you just can tell. And he, he said, well, when I was little, we'd sit down on Christmas Eve and our father would read us the Christmas story. Well, there's nothing wrong with the Christmas story. That's a good thing. But the attitude he had, it was like he looked over at Kathy and thought, who are you? You want the end of the story? He was stabbed in the neck in a motel room in Sioux City, Iowa meeting with a young man having a homosexual affair. That's how he went out. Does that drive home the point, folks? Yeah. True story. True story. What are you laughing at? You're glad what? That I didn't end with? I haven't ended yet. I don't... Oh, that glad that I didn't end the service with that. Yeah, I got you. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> Preacher's son. 
That's horrific, isn't it? I hope you never forget that story next time you open your mouth to criticize somebody else in their sin. Yeah. Will that man be in heaven? I don't know. Well, I should have said, will that minister be in heaven? I don't know. I don't know. Matthew chapter 7. We better end on a good note. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with stories to drive home the point. And I'm not condoning giving Santa a whole roll of skull and a bottle of whiskey. So don't leave here saying, well, that's what the preachers do there at Harvest Church. They give away skull and whiskey. Join our membership. <laughs> don't get weird. This is what I want you to see. Let's just go through. I had three or four. These are rules. Everyone say rules regarding judgment. Regarding judgment. And number one, it begins with self-judgment. Say self-judgment. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, Jesus said, who said this? Jesus, it's in red letter. Judge not that you not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the what? The plank, my Bible says, in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove that speck from your eye? Don't we know people like that? Let me remove that speck from your eye. And look, a plank is in your own eye. Now look at verse 5. Who said this? What did Jesus call these people? Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. What's the first? And I realize we're talking about love. God loves the sinner but I'm, I'm gotten off on this, and I believe it was the Spirit of God this week as I begin to reflect on this, because we're so judgmental and so critical, but I'm giving you, you know, the positive side of judgment. Judge yourself. Preacher, judge yourself. Harvest Church, judge yourself. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight says, But let a man examine himself. Does it say, let a man examine his neighbor? No. This, it says, let a man examine himself, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So what do we do before we receive communion? We judge, we examine our own hearts. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. The Message Bible says this. I like this. Give yourself regular checkups. So what do you and I need to do just on Sunday? Every day of the week, we need to give ourselves regular checkups. Now, on the margin of my Bible, it says this. I'm going to read it. I wrote it down. Jesus does not forbid criticism and opinions. Boy, it's a good, good thing because I'd be gone. I'd be toast. 
Jesus does not forbid criticism of our opinions or the condemnation of wrongdoing. What he forbids is being harshly critical and the spirit of fault finding that overlooks one's own shortcomings while assuming the role of supreme judge in regard to the sins of others. What he forbids is being harshly critical and the spirit of fault-finding that overlooks one's own shortcomings while assuming the role of supreme judge in regarding to the sins of others. Look at Matthew 7, verse 15. It says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. In other words, they look good on the outside like a lot of politicians. They talk the talk, amen? Then in verse 16, it says, You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Now, verse 19 and 20, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits... You will know them by their what? Then look at verse 21. kind of fits in what I'm saying here. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. We have to be careful. We can judge a person's lifestyle, we can judge a person's character, we can judge their teaching, we can judge their influence. But we have to be careful. You know what I find myself judging a lot? You mean he's done already? Yeah. How can I how can I go much further after a story like that? You know what I find myself being critical and judgmental of? None of you ever had this issue, just me. A lot of those politicians in Washington, D.C. Yeah, they need, they need Jesus. And, and both Kathy and I have an opinion, and I, and, and I have to be careful because the, the Word of God instructs us to p- pray for people. Pray for those who are in authority. <laughs> this kind of... It makes my eye do that Clint Eastwood twitch. Nancy Pelosi is in an authority. It's tough. But we're still admonished from Scripture to pray for. Schumer, pray for him. Amen? We have to do that. So, look at your neighbor today and say this with me. I'll guard my tongue. I'm not going to be critical and judgmental of other people's sins. I love the sinner. I pray for the sinner. Amen. Stand your feet today.